Greetings once again. This is the podcast from the First Baptist Church of Madison, North Carolina, established in 1841. Not that that matters to you, but it's kind of neat to think that we've been around for a while. Uh, This is Dr. Chuck McGathy. I am the current pastor of this church that has had so many pastors in its past and will have many in its future, I'm sure. I uh, am here at this point of time in history utilizing this technology to try and share the good news of Jesus. I think if we could ever fully assemble all of the data, which I doubt we'll ever be able to do, but the church on a weekly basis now is probably reaching as many as it's ever reached, perhaps a whole lot more. Uh, Yet we find ourselves in meetings that are diminished in size, and uh, each venue seems to not be the only one. Uh, We are over podcasts, Facebook, radio, streaming internet radio, and live services, two on every Sunday. So we're certainly making the effort to try to find a way to reach people who have, through the uh, realities of modern life uh, and certainly uh, the realities imposed upon us by sickness uh, that uh, we have uh, found a way as the church always does. It should be in some strange way a bit of encouraging news uh, that the message of the gospel is not uh, squelched but is uh, going forth still. I'd uh, also like to speak about that a little bit this morning. What does it really truly mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? I think that could be the underlying story of every weekly message, but this last month has been especially so. Today's message is entitled, Is Jesus Christian? And the passage that I'm looking at is from Luke, the 12th chapter, verses 13 through 21 which is a story that was told by Jesus, a very interesting story. This is uh, the, uh, by the way, the 124th pandemic broadcast of the uh, podcast. So uh, I hope you will uh, celebrate that we've uh, had quite a few of these under our belt already. And uh, this is the eighth Sunday of Pentecost service. So let me go immediately to the passage of Scripture that uh, is... Uh, the basis of the sharing this week, but also speak about some of the theme of July's messages, which I think you will find interesting, and they've been put in a form of question. Here is the passage. It's from the New Revised Standard Version. That's an updated version, uh, updated edition. I'm interested in that. Uh, I think that uh, whenever we have a passage of uh, Scripture done, and we see something's been updated, what we should probably realize is the Bible itself has not been changed, but our words have changed, our words that we use, our expressions and so forth. So they have taken an effort to try to utilize those uh, ways we speak and think uh, in this day and try to match them up with what was originally conveyed in in this case in the Greek to its original audience. Now here is Luke 12, 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, 
who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Today I am concluding a series of sermons that I think have been particularly challenging. Our recommended scriptures for this season of the year are meant to be that way. The last thing, the very last thing we want is to come together to merely congratulate ourselves on our goodness. By God's grace, we are good, but we are also in need. We need to continually hear from our Lord and learn how to follow Him better every day. So this month, through a series of seemingly inane questions, we are thinking deeply about the truth of our faith. The first question, appropriately posed close to our national celebration of the Declaration of Independence, asked, Is democracy Christian? I suggested that the principle of do unto others as you would have them do unto you was and is, in itself, the very bedrock of democracy. It means we all have value. We all have a voice. We all matter. The second week took our Christian values search a bit deeper. Is neighborliness Christian? Paralleled the original question asked of Jesus, Who is my neighbor? According to Jesus, our neighbor is not limited to those with whom we agree or with whom we share a common heritage. Jesus shook up the world of his day and ours when he told the parable about a good Samaritan. No one expected that. Are we really to consider our neighbor to be the very one with whom we have the least inclination to be near? On the third week, we were challenged to think in another direction, one that I found particularly challenging. Is a passionate faith Christian? The question was heavy in the air that day that Jesus encountered hard-working Martha and her dreamy-eyed sister Mary. Yet instead of Commending the laboring Martha, Jesus blesses the spiritual passion of Mary. At once he elevated women and all who would choose the spiritual formation Mary elected that day. I thought of our beloved Marcia McQueen. I missed her and I tried really hard to remember the things she helped me learn. Last week came perhaps the most Ridiculous question yet, I asked, is forgiveness Christian? In order to understand that better, I explored the forgiving nature of God as seen in both the Old and New Testaments. 
at the end of that journey, I hope you might have been able to see that not only is it Christian to be forgiven and to be a forgiver, but it is the undeniable core of our faith. Today, in the ultimate moment of questioning, I'm asked the, I've asked the strangest question of all. Is Jesus Christian? Who asks such an odd question? Well, apparently, a lot of folks are asking about Jesus today. Is the Jesus who is portrayed by many the Jesus of the Gospels? Last week, I read a disturbing article by John Blake in which he warned of an imposter Christianity. In the article, he included a warning about a false imposter of our faith that has no that has so infiltrated the religious mainstream so thoroughly that any conservative pastor who tries to challenge its ideology that includes the myth of a Christian nation and depicts Jesus as a warrior Christ risks their career. These ideas are so widespread that any individual pastor who tries to turn the tide and say, let's look again at Jesus in Scripture, is going to be tossed aside. Nevertheless, that is the calling and duty of a pastor, so here we go. Who is the real Jesus? That, I think, is a question of growing importance in our world today. Any perceptive observer of today's religious scene would surely have to notice that there is more than one Jesus being described and offered up as the real Jesus. Now, I do not pretend to know everything there is to know about Jesus. I'm truly humbled by the things I'm learning daily that clear up for me many of my misconceptions about the Lord. So I'm not going to try, even for a moment, to suggest that I am the expert here. But, and you knew there would be a but, didn't you? But, I can sure tell when some of the ways Jesus is described today are clearly wrong. And here is the reality. Jesus is getting some really bad press today, and some of that is actually turning people away from him. What is even more disturbing is that the majority of these bad press agents are not Jesus' enemies, but his friends, people who claim to be his followers. Yet somehow they have a distorted image of Jesus in their heads, and sadly that is the only Jesus some people will ever see. Yet we are blessed with a book, a collection of books really, that challenges these distortions. We routinely seek its guidance and help to understand and know the real Jesus. Today's message is on the eve of my 17th year of pulpit ministry among you. I began 16 years ago by preaching on what it means to be a real Christian. My first sermons, there were three of them, were titled after that great African-American spiritual, Lord, I want to be a Christian. It was my way of starting at the basics of faith in Jesus. My text for the series of three sermons were the teachings of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. I thought it important that we know who we are. Now, I think it may be even more important to know who Jesus is. Today's scripture text introduces us to one aspect of Jesus following that many might find surprising. I'd like to use this as a starting point. I will then share other aspects of the real Jesus that many who claim to be members of his fan club might find more than surprising. They might find them disturbing. Let's start with Jesus' attitude regarding money. 
and wealth, financial security, and even greed. This is how the lesson for today begins. Just then someone spoke up from the crowd and said, Master, you should tell my older brother that he is to divide the family inheritance and give me my fair share. Jesus answered, my friend, you can't expect me to help you with this. It's not my business to settle arguments between you and your brother. That's yours to settle. Speaking to the people, Jesus continued, be alert and guard your heart from greed and always wishing for what you don't have, for your life can never be measured by the amount of things you possess. When I first read this, it struck me that Jesus seems to care very little for the legal aspect of this man's problem. That's kind of surprising, because we think Jesus should be concerned that we are treated fairly. I don't think this is Jesus supporting the unfairness of the selfish brother, but rather speaking to a different value. He does not desire to become the mediator of their dispute, but rather speaks to the heart of the one who is being cheated out of his portion of an inheritance. He wants him to understand what is truly valuable in his life. And in order to illustrate that, he offers a story of a man who had accumulated many material possessions who thought that would enable him to have a happy life. The great irony, however, is that once he had amassed great wealth, he died. And Jesus used this dramatic story to help the man understand that what was, what was most valuable is not to be found in the material possessions one has. So here is the first surprising thing. Jesus is not a capitalist. Oh, don't become too alarmed if you are a capitalist, as I am. Just know that Jesus is not offering up an economic system. In fact, Jesus isn't a socialist or a communist either. He is speaking to human hearts as at a much deeper level. You see, Jesus understands what is truly important, and no matter what economic system someone chooses, greed, driven by an insecure relationship with God and his provision in life, will always, always destroy a human being. What is even more challenging, Jesus seems to actually favor the poor. He utters such shocking admonitions as, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's an odd thing for a capitalist or a socialist or even a communist to say, but Jesus sees beyond the importance of the material and into the value of a human soul. And this passage today has introduced us to a most surprising Jesus, the real Jesus. I could talk about that more, but I'd like to move on to a few other examples of the real Jesus so we might be more familiar with the one whom we are all trying to follow. I hope you heard in the opening that Jesus is not particularly concerned with the economic model you chose or reject, but he is deeply interested in your heart and what you ultimately value. Now let's move on. To do so, I'll begin by telling you something Jesus is not, and then I hope to show you who the real Jesus is. First, Jesus is not a divider. It amazes me how often Jesus is characterized as a divider. There are actually people who do what I do for a living, who use lingo like the exclusionary Jesus to try to describe the Lord. To them, Jesus is rather a doctrinaire character who has certain principles to enforce. To do this, they sometimes say he loves the sinner but hates the sin. I have said that, but I'm avoiding it now. 
While that is technically a true saying, it can also be used in a hurtful way and to those who see Jesus as a divider who determine for him just where the sin line is laid, the hating the sin and communicates a form of condemnation. The only problem with that is it doesn't agree with Jesus, the Jesus described in the Gospels. The real Jesus has standards. But he refused to condemn. Instead, his message was redemptive. His message was unifying, bringing diverse people together. His message was hopeful. He wanted people to know how much God loved them. Now that was not some new revelation, but a reminder of what God had been saying all along to his people. One of our other passages today was from the 107th Psalm. Listen to how much this sounds like the preaching of Jesus. Let everyone give all their praise and thanks to the Lord. Here's why. He's better than anyone could ever imagine. Yes, he's always loving and kind, and his faithful love never ends. So go ahead. Let everyone know it. Tell the world how he broke through and delivered you from the power of darkness and has gathered us together from all over the world. He has set us free to be his very own. The real Jesus is not a promoter uh, of division, exclusion, and barriers. Let me say that again. The real Jesus is not a promoter of division, exclusion, and barriers. The real Jesus included the marginalized, the sick, the outsider, the ostracized eunuchs, the Roman soldiers, the despised Samaritans, prostitutes, and the list goes on and on and on. When he said he was the way to God, he opened the gate to all. It is inclusion, not exclusion, that best describes the real Jesus. Next, Jesus is not a liar. Now that might strike you as odd that I might even suggest that is how Jesus is being portrayed nowadays, but bear with me and I think you will get my meaning. Have you ever heard someone say, you may be the only Jesus someone else sees? Yet, increasingly, the importance of truth, even for Christians, seems to be in peril. The argument kind of goes like this, who knows what the truth is anyway? We're being lied to, so why believe anyone? Why believe the media or the scientists, the historians or the so-called experts? Their messages are not real if they do not comport with what I already believe. So they have their truth and I have mine. All of this reasoning seems to me to recall the question of Pontius Pilate, who asked Jesus, what is truth? Now please note that was Pilate's question. That was the perspective of the man who condemned Jesus to the cross, a man who chose to ignore the actual facts of the case and instead do what was convenient and acceptable to the crowd. For Pilate, truth was whatever he wanted it to be. That was not the perspective of Jesus and ought not be the perspective of his followers. What Jesus said about truth is quite different. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. He even claimed that he was the truth. So when today's Christians give little regard for the truth, when Christians even embrace lies and lying is somehow a service to God's ultimate plan, how well does that help someone else to see Christ? The answer is more than obvious. 
The real Jesus speaks the truth, deals in facts, and wants his followers to do the same. Perhaps right now is a good time for me to pull out one of my favorite sermon illustrations. My guess is you've heard it before, but it fits so well I'd like to use it again. The story goes like this. There was a famous Macedonian ruler known as Alexander the Great, who once had a frightened young soldier drugged before him, accused of desertion. The great warrior held the power of life and death, though the young man, in the course of pronouncing judgment on the coward, Alexander inquires as to his name. The cringing man, convinced his execution was imminent, sputtered, My name is Alexander. Then, in a great moment of mercy and correction, the king proclaimed, Well then, either change your name or change your conduct. Do we call ourselves by Jesus' name? Are we Christians? Then follow the real Jesus in truth. Here's another thing. The real Jesus is not hateful. Why should I even have to say that? Of course Jesus is not hateful. We all know that, don't we? Well, on one level we do. We sing from our childhood songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know. The problem is we so easily can forget those childhood songs and replace them with the marching tunes of hate. We think God is telling us to take the fight to the enemy. And he is. But the enemy is not each other. The enemy is the deceiver, the hater of both God and human beings. We may call him the devil, Satan, or the prince of the power of the air. He is a divider, a liar, and hater. When we do these things, we are following his ways. We are no longer following Jesus. So the real Jesus may be a surprise to some folks, but the real Jesus is what we really need. The real Jesus is the answer to our deepest need as individuals and as people living in the beloved community. The beloved community is a place of grace, redemption, and forgiveness. It is a place of hope. There, the real Jesus is not focused on the end, but upon the beginning. And to that beloved community, invites us all. His words of restoration and inclusion still ring in the hearts of his true followers. Remember what he said, For God so loved the world. That's the real Jesus speaking. He loves us. He unites us in our diversity. He wants to free us from our selfish greed. Real Jesus speaks truth and wants us to embrace truth too. The real Jesus is an includer of whoever believes. That is a wide open gate, a breach in the impenetrable wall established by the enemy. With the real Jesus, everything changes. The rules all change in his kingdom of grace. Get to know the king of grace. Follow the real Jesus and be a real Christian. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to see you as you really are. We may not know everything about you, but we know enough to see that sometimes we get you wrong. Bring us back with your great and welcoming grace. Fill us with your spirit and let your love shine through us so others will see the real Jesus. Amen.